Welcome back to Moms in Baseball. This is episode 32, and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Diana. Today we're interviewing Val Paredes, who is mother to Tim Melville. You may have seen Tim Melville's name in the news recently. He's a pitcher in the Chinese Professional Baseball League in Taiwan and just through the first no-hitter of 2021. Before playing in the CPBL, Tim was what Val refers to as an MLB journeyman, playing for at least seven different major league franchises and 20 professional teams. Tim had his first major league win in 2019, pitching for the Colorado Rockies, and he also had the opportunity to strike out Freddie Freeman, Josh Donaldson, and Ozzie Albies. Tim Melville was drafted in 2008 in the fourth round by the Royals, but he had been ranked by Rise Magazine as the top high school draft prospect in the country at the time. Later, he went on to play single A with the Royals and roomed with Eric Hosmer and Mike Montgomery. Val is here with us today as a native Virginian from Chester, Virginia. She has so much baseball mom experience to share with us as a single mom who navigated Tim through AAU, travel ball, USA baseball, and then the draft. She will also share the challenges that her son has faced along the way and talk about how they have dealt with those challenges and persevered through injuries, surgeries, and a congenital condition. So this was a long intro for Val and for Tim, but I kind of feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of their baseball experiences. So we're really looking forward to this today. Welcome, Val. Welcome. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Diana. So usually we start by talking about the early years, but we have to know what is it like as a mom to sit at home and watch your son pitch a no-hitter on TV across the oceans. (laughs) So could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we realized that he had pitched the no-header through the six, and I am texting his wife, who was there with him, saying, oh, that was really cool. Jim did really good today, and uh, <laughs> he's going back out. <laughs> I had looked at his pitch count. I was thinking, well, this is CPBL, and I know that he's, you know, he's good. I don't think this year I'd seen someone do a complete game yet. I don't even remember that happening last year. Uh, but he came in August. But anyway, so out he goes. And then, you know, I just don't breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I'm, you know, texting with her and um, she's, you know, just she's very calm person. And so that kind of helped me be calm as well. And I could tell you can tell when they're in the zone. And that's that's what I saw. Um, But I also saw each time he went back in the dugout, people got further away from him. And then (laughs) between the (laughs) Between the eighth and the ninth inning, the shot was going to the dugout, taking a wet towel, putting it over his head. So it was like a hoodie. And oh, right. then when they, he came back out in the ninth, I knew they were chanting and it was his name in, in Mandarin Chinese. They've been, they've given him a name like big and powerful. I can't even pronounce it. I'd have to send it to you. What, uh, it's been texted to me, what they're, what they're chanting. And, mm-hmm. um, the pitch counts just going up, you know, each <laughs> inning and uh-huh. But but that had happened and I mean, oh my gosh, I was just shouting and the dogs were barking. <laughs> just, <laughs> I like that. What a I moment. Just, it was like I was there, you know, it really was. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing. That's so exciting. And I have I have a couple follow ups to that. And one is what time of day would that have been for you when you're watching the snow hitter? So it's breakfast baseball. <laughs> and so <laughs> You know, the game started, I believe, at at 6.30 p.m. and so 6.30 a.m., give or take. I forget. I get lost in the daylight savings time. So, yep. So it's it's through the morning. Okay. And I wish I had it in front of me, but I remember that his pitch count, you mentioned that it did get pretty high. Wasn't it in like the 140s or something like that? Yes. I think it was 142. Okay. Because people had said like if that were, you know, in the MLB, they probably wouldn't have let him go out, but it's the CPBL. So they let them keep pitching. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's interesting. It is because I think Tim philosophically all along has kind of been into the more Eastern philosophies and strategies of, you know, go out there, do what you need to do. Like when they warm up doing the long toss, he wanted to go further and they're going, no, stop, stop at that that edge Uh of the outfield. Tim goes, no, I'm going all the way to the wall (laughs) and I'm going to come back. Um, So it's just been interesting 
watching and kind of learning more about baseball over in Taiwan and Japan, Korea, I was always thinking, gee, this sounds like Tim. This is a this is a good alignment for him. So it's been very interesting learning more. Oh, that's nice. And we we saw too that there was a dance with the no hitter, <laughs> and we saw the clip, and it, it's not an everyday thing in that league, but he seemed to know exactly what he was doing. Or is it an everyday thing? That's what I was trying oh, to figure out. maybe it is an everyday like, yeah, thing. Does, You're right. Yeah. Right. Where, where did this come from? So the way that works is if they're at home and they win, then they select an MVP. And when they select ah. the MVP, they have a choice. They can do a choreographed dance, of which if you watch the games, there there are many. There's even a class before the games at the as you come in the gate. If you don't know the chants, you can sit down and the mascots come out and teach you these chants and, oh, that's cool. and dances for the fans, right? So they're dancing and chanting throughout the game. And, and here comes the win and here comes the MVP. And so this was not Tim's first rodeo. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it looked like he knew what he was doing. So He um, chose to do the choreographed version this time. And they were excited because last season when he got his first MVP, he went with, no, I'll just do my own thing. And they actually had a vote at the beginning of this season for the best MVP dance of last season, and Tim won. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, nice. We're going to have to find a, a link of that Both dance of or, clips. Or, yeah. Yeah, or multiple dances, and, and we'll share those. We'll share those uh-huh. in our parents and baseball group or on social media so listeners can yeah, see that what we're so talking cool about. Watch. But yes, Tim has moves. I sure did not get that from me. He got other things from me <laughs> on the field skills but the dance right. moves i think came from from nana from my from my mom mm. she was an amazing amazing dancer there you go that's nice so now let's go back to the beginning so what did baseball look for tim in his early years Yes. So we go back quite a ways. We have a video and and pictures of Tim when he was two. And I am not exaggerating. (laughs) Wow. Um, Two years old with a baseball glove in each hand saying, want to play catch? Want to play catch? Want to play catch? Nice. He was ready. And then his first, you know, the six-year-old experience was sleeping in the gear, sleeping in his his uniform, (laughs) of which... I think we got it a second hand or something, you know, the stirrups when they were wearing the stirrups and the pants and going out for that. So it was an early, early, obvious thing that he was going to do this. I think I went to one too many baseball games when I was pregnant because he was just, (laughs) it never was in doubt. He was in the zone. He was ready, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about Halloween as, you know, Atlanta Braves. Oh, yes. So obviously, I'm guessing in the beginning, he didn't start right out with travel ball or anything. Was he playing Little League or how did he get started? and, And when did that change? We were in Arizona and he would go to every baseball camp they had for the little ones out there, of which there were many. Okay. I don't remember him actually playing a game out there. I believe his first game was when we were in Norfolk, was on base down there. They had a Little Creek Baseball Players Association. So it was really just playing rec ball. Okay. And that mm-hmm. continued until he was nine or 10. And the team he was playing with in Little Creek signed up for AAU ball. Okay. So that's when he started doing doing more. He was kind of the kid that nobody knew because we had just moved to Deep Creek and we actually, it was fall ball. And so it was under the radar when he showed up at a practice and the, the coach told me, he said, what position does he play? I said, he's pitcher. Didn't say too much. He said, well, we already have one of those. <laughs> well, you might want to take a look at him. So the first practice, their just jaws just dropped when he got up there and started throwing. Because by that time, he was blowing 55, 60 miles an hour wow. as, a, as a 10-year-old. Okay. And wow. so it was um, something that we knew and they knew, and it was exciting. So when the draft came around for spring ball, who's this guy, Tim Melville? Oh, we don't know. But the fall ball coach said, well, I'll take him. You know, <laughs> give the kid a team. <laughs> He was smart. He played his cards right. (laughs) Yeah, that's how you got to do that. But then after that, it was his name was out there and people knew who he was. And so he stayed with that. And they, you know, the whole team was lifted up at that point. You know, he was playing up um, for that experience, played up until, gosh, 12 or 13. The coach came to me and said, he's really outgrown this team. But I know a travel ball team up the road in Richmond. Would you guys consider meeting with that team? They'd like him to come to a practice. That was a great 
decision that we made because he was then able to play with kids his own age. Mm-hmm. It was it was challenging to play up. I don't know what Charles' experience had been with that situation where you have the kid who is playing beyond his years, but mm-hmm. there is another side to that when you make the decision, you know, to have your kid play up. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like what did you notice in your experience on the other side of it? Teams like to do things afterwards. Tim was always a part of that. At the same time, he was making friends in school. There were other kids who played baseball, but he wasn't playing ball with the kids of his class. He was playing ball with kids who were a year or two years ahead of him. So that meant his social life was kind of not as much as you would normally see with a kid because they like to hang out with the kids that they play ball with. And I'm sure it wasn't intentional. It's just how, you know, boys are. They want to just hang with their own age um, when they're outside. Fortunately, the team did a lot of activities and he was, of course, included in those. But I can remember those hurt feelings, you know, and dealing with those were something that's hard to see your kid not happy. (laughs) Absolutely. To struggle through those. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, for listeners that have listened to previous episodes, I've mentioned my youngest son has always played up an age level or two. And this is the first year that he's playing at his own age level and it's been a very positive experience for him and he he loved his previous teams but I'll say that it has been a little bit different for him socially speaking in school like and and the biggest difference I've noticed is just that his friends tend to be more the kids that are a grade ahead of him because they're you know those were the kids that he was he was playing ball with that's who he's used to hanging out with it has been a little bit of an interesting challenge I guess you could say watching him you know try to befriend kids that are in his own grade and at his own age level because it's definitely been different. He has to kind of get used to not being like the annoying little kid brother, I guess, <laughs> on the team. <laughs> so Yeah, Tim was younger than everyone on the team, but he was the biggest by far. He's always been tall and always been bigger. So it was kind of the double-edged, you mm-hmm. know, that he does mm-hmm. stand out from the rest of the kids physically as well. But because they were winning so much and they were having such a good time together, I, I became very involved with, um, with the team. I was there travel coordinator whenever oh, okay. we, we went somewhere. So it's more of a me getting to know the other moms and parents. I think that really, really kind of helped. So I stayed highly engaged with everybody and made the best friends, still friends to this day with those, with those parents. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. So you mentioned off recording that Tim has some siblings who were quite active as well. So how were you able to manage getting everyone to where they needed to be as a single mom? So it was the image that I had in my head on those days when Mary had softball, Elizabeth had soccer, and had a baseball game was I was a ping pong ball. I was just <laughs> yeah. hanging back and forth. And yeah. if I was really lucky, it was back to back. So I still felt like a ping pong ball, but I was able to sit there and watch the games and haul whoever I needed with me, or they would be with their coach or with another kid. And somehow we would all meet up at the end of the day. Never left a kid anywhere. I'm <laughs> oh, good for you. Proud, That's good. very proud of that. Absolutely. Right, that is an accomplishment. Good job. <laughs> so basically you just kept really busy and then relied on, you know, others from the team <clears throat> to help you out a bit, it sounds like. Yes, very supportive. We were in a small town in um, Hampton Roads, Virginia. We were in Chesapeake, Virginia, specifically in Deep Creek. Shout out to Deep Creek Baseball Association. <laughs> All the wonderful <laughs> folks down there who got me through those really, really hard years. And they um, they just adopted us. I think we were in my kids and um, all of the kids knew everybody. And being in a small town does have its advantages. Things were close by when yep. we played away. It wasn't more than, you know, 30, maybe 45 minutes at the most to go somewhere. And um, just a wonderful experience, wonderful experience being in Deep Creek. The only reason we ended up in Deep Creek, we were living in Norfolk, which is a larger, larger city, is I was looking for a fall ball team for his age and someone who worked for me. I have to leave work early. My kid has a ball practice. And it was October. I said, baseball? He said, yes. <laughs> and I said, where do you live? <laughs> so, <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we um, 
started going there, even where we're living in Norfolk. And that got kind of old. It was good 20, 30 minutes away. And then just said, we're going to look for a house in Deep Creek and drove down the street. And there was a house for sale with contract pending. Oh, shucks. Perfect house. Two weeks later, drove by. House was for sale. No contract pending. So there we go. Got our house and moved to Deep Creek. And we were wow. there until until Tim was going into high school. Very nice. That was partly to help with the commute for baseball? Absolutely. And I know other people wouldn't understand that, but I know that you ladies would. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, we can understand a lot. <laughs> you Once you find your tribe, you just hold on tight, man. Yep. Yep. So that's always been my mantra is to keep things simple. So whenever I moved, I looked for a house that was close to school so that the kids could walk there or ride their bikes to school and made sure that we were being able to get plugged into the baseball. When you went to high school, school, we moved to St. Louis. What's the first thing I do? I start calling the high schools in the area. Let's start looking at their records saying, oh, good for you. Um, good for you. Tell me about your team after I found out who was the better teams. <laughs> and the coach where we ended up still remembers that. It was like, why is this lady calling me <laughs> from Virginia to ask me about my baseball team in Wentzville, Missouri? Because wow. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then, of course, when Tim went to the first practice, then he got it. Right. Well, you just you need to take charge and good for you for doing your research. You you posted a little while ago that you actively were counting pitches to keep an eye on Tim's pitch count. Could you talk about that and if you had any conflicts with your your son's coaches? Unfortunately, no. The coach was was the same coach that I just was talking about, was very understanding and very open. Um, He had not had a kid that had been scouted before. So once that all came to light, he was very, worked with us very closely. We're still really, really good friends with him and his family to this day. And I went into it assuming there would not be an issue. That's kind of how I approach everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have that have that attitude he was aware I was counting pitches I was aware of what was going on in the coach's head and what they needed at the time you know to win the games because we were going for first place in in their high school and on from there to state so I just started clicking I I wanted to know sometimes I get distracted and it was just a good thing to to be happening and it was more the action more than the actual count. I think I was just making kind of a statement, like I'm here, I'm engaged, you know, I'll work with you. I'm the mom, I'm watching, I'm the mom manager. This is a partnership and isn't that cool? You know, that was the, that was the intent. Right. Did you always have, you know, great relationships like that with the coaches or did you ever have situations where um, maybe you felt like you knew what was best for your Mm -hmm. kid, but the coaches maybe didn't take you quite as seriously because you were the mom? Yes. I never thought about it in those terms, I guess, because I've worked in banking before. And so I was often the only woman in meetings or in in the room. It was just more, this is a coach that just isn't going to work. Um, Tim was ready to not not play anymore for the team. And we're looking for a travel team. And I made a commitment to this team. I said, no, we're staying. This will just be a good lesson. Once you start something, you're going to finish it. What was the issue? Some just unprofessional behavior. I won't go into that. But more, yeah, Tim, he's he's okay, but we just don't see it. And they weren't able to coach him up. We were able to coach him. And the philosophies that you run into are so different. And this is something that's come up since he's started his major league career. I could write a book on coaching philosophies. And I know there's so many different, what works best with Tim are ones that um, lift him up, you know, engage him and lift him up. And the focus, they all know that Tim's his own worst, right? He knows what he needs to improve on. Breaking people down and then putting them back together is not a um, philosophy that, that works with well, with any of my kids. So that's been, for that team, we finished out the season, then we went and found the one that was was the better fit for Tim. Yeah, yeah, good for you. That's, that's a, a good lesson, I guess, to learn early on that not everything is going to be a perfect fit for you, and but sometimes you do have to stick things out if you can. Right, and it's a good lesson for your kid, too, so that as he did progress in his career, when he would run into the, this is true in anything, in his teachers in school, oh, I got the worst teacher. She doesn't, mm. she's yeah. horrible. I've heard this is sixth grade. I said, well, find out what she likes what he said we'll find out from some kids that had her what does she likes he comes home what does she like so she likes honey mustard pretzels i go okay here you go 
<laughs> and he took in the pretzels and that was the best teacher ever because she was really stricter than the other teachers, but he learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. So with the coaches, it was always trying that personal approach and try to get to know them, not to complain, just to deal with it. Because in life, that's what you run into. And when you're working, there's always going to be people you get along with better than others. But, you know, you can still work with them. You can still learn from them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move on to USA Baseball. So for those of you that do not know, USA Baseball has been the national governing body for amateur baseball since 1978. It represents the sport in the United States as a member of the U.S. Olympic, the Paralympic Committee, and internationally as a member of Federation of the World Baseball Softball Confederation. These teams do include 12U, 15U, 18U, and a collegiate national team. I'm just going to mention a few alumni players that are now playing in the MLB. So Nick Castellanos, Freddie Freeman, Mike Trout. Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw, Jack Flaherty. So getting onto this USA baseball team is easily more challenging than getting a college scholarship. So what was Tim's path to the USA team and how did you navigate that? Um, His path was through perfect game, getting seen in those tournaments when he was playing with the Richmond Braves travel team. Shout out to them as well. Um, Right. Coach Roberts um, is amazing. Um, He's still here in the Richmond area and they still have a number of teams. And we knew that he would be able to get seen at that point. We were thinking colleges. That was really on the mind. USA Mm -hmm. Baseball was out there. We knew about it. It was just that opportunity. Let's go experience trying out for Junior Olympics and see where that goes. Wouldn't that be cool? And it kind of just all all worked out. It was always like an easy flow to make it happen. We were just more like feeling like this is Tim and I were in the right place at the right time. And because of his passion developing at that point, that was what made it so exciting to see him just so fully immersed in, in something and being able to, even if he didn't make the team, it was giving him that opportunity to see what that next level would be like and to experience it. Absolutely. That's such like a huge accomplishment in itself. Like kudos for him. That's great. And how old was he at the time that he played for Team USA? That's what I'm trying to think. He was in, we were already in Missouri. So that would have been 16, just 16, 17, 15. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. I was just trying to get a general idea. So that's helpful. It was, I remember the young Freddie Freeman. I remember seeing him. Yeah. <laughs> play in Mexico. Oh my gosh, that was such an exciting event for the family. Um, Tim's Tim's oldest brother went down with me and kind of got the lay of the land. And I went down and joined him and went to the games and our first experience with, you know, a team from another country and Cuba was there. (laughs) Tim got to pitch and went in there and and did did very well, but so exciting. Just absolutely amazing. Did it open any doors for him? Um, I don't know that it did other than just name recognition and being out there. He hadn't gotten or had he, he might've gotten the yellow card. That's the MLB scouting card. uh, Mm -hmm. Or was it white, white or yellow? I forget. It was a color. (laughs) Hold on to this. Somebody handed it to me at a game, high school game, his first or second high school game and said, I said, coach, what is this? He goes, oh yeah, you don't want to lose that. Hold on to that card. That was before things were digital. So that was kind of, um, we felt doors were opening at that point. It was more just like an experience for Tim, you know, to get on a bus and travel with the team and to do things in another country. And the goal as, as a mom for me was to raise a productive, independent citizen of the world. You know, that was always what I wanted for my children is to experience things in other countries, whether that's through going a student exchange to another country or meeting friends from other countries or whatever. We have relatives um, that live in Honduras. So it's always been important to me for them to have that opportunity. Absolutely. So my son is attending his first identification event this summer. Any advice that you have for us to help prepare him? Kind of associated with USA Baseball. Yes. Oh, it is with USA Baseball. That's yes, that's awesome. Congratulations. Just that kind of thing. Focus on focus on the experience and do much different than what you've done in the past for tournaments. Um, how old is he? He's 12. 13. Well, 13 sorry. 12. <laughs> 
I'll help you out. I have too many. I can't remember. How old is Tim? Yeah, Tim's 15, 16, something like that. Um, So that would be be the thing to me. And depending on their personality, you know, do they need to laser beam focus? Do they need to kind of be laid back with it? Uh, How does he normally deal with He's a little uptight and he's shy. Yeah. So he's got laser focus. Um, Having him talk to somebody that maybe has done it, uh, reach out to some of the parents um, just to try to, I don't know if anyone else from the area is going that he already knows, the safety and numbers, you know, some comfort in that kind of thing. That's true. As a mom, I always talk to the other parents just so when we got there, we would, you know, know somebody. So reaching Mm -hmm. out, helping to network a little bit. Good point, yes. And then kind of enjoy it, just be able (laughs) to relax, make it fun. You work hard, then you relax. That's right. Mm -hmm. I like that. So moving on to high school. So what was high school baseball like for Tim? It was leaving Deep Creek because his eighth grade, they were in middle school and meeting with the coach, knowing who Tim was at the Deep Creek High School. He said, this is great. I can't wait. Whatever you do, don't move. So what do I do? (laughs) I don't think the guy's ever forgiven me or forgiven me for making the decision, but it was a job change and an opportunity in St. Louis, Missouri. So off we go. Tim's going into ninth grade and I did the legwork to find the team that I thought would be a good fit for for that and the you know, place would be a good fit for the family and plugged in as much as I could to what was going on. And he was able to play fall ball. So that was good. So the coach had met with the coach, let him know what was coming. But it was still that I'm the new kid kind of thing. What do we do? I mean, he doesn't know. We don't know anybody in Missouri. And we were 45 miles west of St. Louis, Winsville, Missouri. So they have orientation. And I mean, the the God's blessing was great on on this family, getting us there, getting us situated. Uh, the coach had didn't know anything about fall baseball, but said there's this lady named Debbie Foster. I think her son plays fall ball. I call Debbie and she goes, where do you live? And I go, oh, I don't, I'm near the rec center. She goes, well, we're near the rec center. She was like three houses down from me. Oh, <laughs> nice. So that just was amazing. So her son played and um, David and they, he, <sighs> knew Tim was going to orientation and we saw him when we walked in the door and David just takes Tim over and there's like a gaggle of girls and guys hanging around. He goes, this is Tim. He's from Virginia. He plays baseball. And that was it. It was just like magic. Instantly, he got pulled into that group of friends and there was never, never a concern. It was just like, this is where he's supposed to be. This is what he's supposed to be doing. This is why we're here. So it was an amazing journey through them. I said I had a great relationship with the coach and the teachers and everybody there. It was a little confusing to the uh, admins that we would go in. I said, Tim has to be out of school. We're going to be gone for a week. Where are you going? Well, we're going to Mexico. Well, why are you going to be gone for a week? I go, well, he's playing baseball in Mexico. There's a Mexico, Missouri that's like an hour away. Oh. And that's where they thought <laughs> oh. we were going. And you're like, nope, we're a little beyond that. Yeah, <laughs> a little beyond the that. country. <laughs> But they were very supportive of when we, he had to be gone for, for tournaments and games. At that point, he's, he was still with the Richmond Braves travel team, too. So he would hop on a plane, go off to Chicago or wherever they were and travel with the team. So there he's getting that experience. Um, just seemed like, oh, Mom, at what point do you say it's okay? It's okay. You're, you're going to be fine. You're going to go. And um, that didn't seem to really, you know, we think about it now, it's like, God, what was I thinking? But <laughs> he, he was ready to, ready to go forward um, at that point. Sounds like he stayed real busy with baseball. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that he looked at other sports and um, they looked at, to have him on other sports. And when he's out on the football field, you know, throwing a football across the full length of the field there. And I think he went, he did go to one, one football tryouts, but it was too hot. And he didn't like doing, <laughs> doing two, two a days in August. And, but give him an opportunity because I kept thinking, what if he's supposed to be a quarterback? <laughs> what if I have him in the wrong sport? Right. So um, he would try things like that. He did. What was interesting, though, the cross-country coach approached him 
And we were looking for something for him to do because they had that growth spurt, you know, and they kind of lose their ability to be coordinated. And yes. oh, yep. just, he had grown yes. a lot in um, middle school, but the, the final growth spurt was when he was a freshman. So he went out for cross country and that was, that was wonderful for stamina and for just something different to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, he really enjoyed that. Yeah, that, that sounds like that'd be a great way to kind of keep in shape and like you said, increase the stamina. But um, I read an article that talked about how he, he was getting scouted by major league scouts by at least 10th grade. And it said there was a six page spread about him in Sporting News magazine titled That Feeling of Being Watched uh, from back when he was in high school. And so I'm just wondering, how were you both able to deal with that level of attention? And as a mom, how do you keep your kid grounded and humble when when that's going on? Right. It was the you know, takes a village to raise a child. It was pretty much that. I mean, his teammates would keep him humble. (laughs) (laughs) They checked him. That was good. (laughs) And they did. And that made a huge difference. And I think his personality is just that anyway, you know, humility was a virtue in our family. And he had that. I was able to kind of because this had not happened before at the high school, I was very much aware of what's going to happen when they're calling the admin in the sports department and bothering her and talking with her. So we had a meeting with the coach just trying to, to see how this was all going to be handled and kind of let people know this isn't going to be disruptive. You know, you, you've got to do it. When they were to show up, I would just walk over and say, hey, guys, how you doing? And I know who you are. You know who I am. Introduce myself. And that kind of they're all very professional. We never had any issues with anything. And it hadn't been done for a couple of years. I noticed there were some old high school paraphernalia. So I did that. You know, I got it figured out he was going to do it, took the orders and distributed it. So we were doing well as a team. And that's where I wanted the focus to be. I didn't want it to be on on Tim. We had really good players on the team. All, a lot of them did go on to college baseball. So in, in careers and in, in the field. So that was kind of how I wanted to level set it, make it a fun experience for, for everyone. Absolutely. What sort of sacrifices did you and Tim and maybe your family make to allow him to play baseball at such this high level? That really was so much on Tim to realize that if he was doing the baseball and was doing it at that level, then he would not be able to always go out. We were pretty strict. I was pretty strict anyway with the going out during the week for school. But I know there were times when things might be happening on a Friday night for football and he'd have to go and then leave early because there was something, you know, he had to get on a plane the next day to to fly somewhere. But try to keep him as well-rounded as possible without missing out of things that his friends were doing. It was mostly a sacrifice on his sister's part more than anything else. And I I had a conversation with Mary, his his younger sister, when this topic came up before we, we met. And she she said, Mom, I had to compete with Tim for your attention. I'm thinking, no, I was really good at being a ping pong ball. I was still going to your your basketball, softball, volleyball games because everything was right there. And then I go to your sister's right. soccer game and then I go to the baseball field. And she goes, look, all the attention was on Tim. I really had to compete with him. She's, he said, but you know what? It made me a better player because I wanted to win. And so consequently, she was able to get a college scholarship for playing volleyball. So it wow. did up her game. Um, right. Elizabeth, her sister, not so much. It's like, mom, you never came to a single one of my soccer games. I know I did because <laughs> Tim wasn't pitching or in between innings. I'd walk across the road and I'd be there watching you. <laughs> you, might, you didn't see me, but I was there. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I think that has to be definitely hard. And, and that she acknowledged that like kudos for her too. Wow. Yeah. It's an impossible situation for you. Then as they got older, of course, they realized how good looking the baseball guys were. So that <laughs> complaining about spending our summers traveling for baseball. Uh Yeah, Tim brought them all around. There you go. Became less of an issue. So we're going to Jupiter for your summer vacation. Oh, oh, can we come? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you'll be there. Okay. (laughs) That's nice. That's great. You mentioned that Tim has had a number of challenges along the way, including injuries and a congenital condition. Would you talk a bit about those challenges and how he dealt with them? 
Yeah, so when injuries happen, particularly when they're young or in high school and it limits their playing time and they have to sit there with their cast or just whatever is sidelining them and watching them go through that and know that they're unhappy about that and know they just know, I feel fine, I just want to go do this. That is the hardest thing for everyone. Um, yes. So Tim, the when I talked about him sleeping in his gear, it was maybe a week later he um, was playing catch and went after a ball at the field and decided to climb over the fence instead of walk around the fence and broke his wrist. So <gasps> there you go. So that uh, early age he experienced, you know, you're going to not be careful. You're going to hurt yourself. This is what's going to happen. Of course, things happen that are out of your control. So he was born with a congenital condition called pectus excavatum which in non-medical terms would be puddle chest. As he grew and got growth spurts that became deeper, did not put two and two together that he was having trouble breathing. I have asthma. Figured, oh, unlucky Tim, he inherited the asthma. So Mm -hmm. he's eight, nine years old. He would hit home runs and then be completely wiped out after the game. Mm. Um, We'd be at a field, and he would start having trouble breathing. Went to the doctor. He said, yeah, he probably needs an inhaler. I've seen this before in kids. Never put two and two together. Uh, And another just blessing, I was reading a children's hospital magazine that I get, and there was condition was featured in the article. Does your child have this shortness of breath, trouble breathing, tires easily? And I'm like, check, check, check called them up and said, I think we need an appointment. And they said, okay, let's go through the list. And we did. And she goes, yes, and should see our doctor here for an evaluation. Do we need to get you a hotel room? I said, no, I'm five miles down the road. I'm, I'm right here. Oh, wow. So we went in and Tim was evaluated. And the condition is called pectus excavatum. As they grow, their breast bone goes inward. Um, mm. And that causes the heart and lungs to be displaced and will not get better on its own. Did the research at that time, there were two or three different ways to correct it surgically and made the decision since the guy who invented the procedure that I felt was the most effective and least invasive was there at the Children's Hospital in Norfolk. Oh, nice. And we were able to have that surgery done. Weston was 10 years old and a bar was inserted in his chest. It sounds gross, but it's amazing. Yeah. Two little incisions on either side the bar is like an inch long. It's shaped to his chest. It goes in and like an, a brace on the inside pops the breastbone out. So it's perfectly even and level. And they wear it like a brace for 18 months. Then they remove it and the chest has taken on the proper shape. Heart and lungs go back the way they were. There's a holler, holler, I think, index. And Tim was six, I think, on the scale of up to 10. Everything was getting displaced, and it was the reason he was having trouble breathing and being so tired. Plus, it was psychologically um, hard on him because he wouldn't take his shirt off at the pool. And he was always self-conscious from being taller than anyone and from playing up. It was just another thing that he felt he didn't fit in. Um, Right. Well, thank goodness that you recognized this so early on before the growth plates started to close and everything, you know? So, wow. And that article fell into your lap. That worked out perfectly. So after that, he gained weight and shot up another eight inches. And he was very open about um, the condition when he joined Major League Baseball. Consequently, we had been contacted by a number of parents. I've been contacted by other parents whose children had the condition. And based on what we, I think, said and they saw what Tim experienced, they pursued it. And several of those children, I think, gosh, for two or three of them at least have had that operation and gone on to experience the benefits of getting that corrected. That's great. Absolutely. That's great. It looks like Tim kind of bounced all over the minor league system with a few stints in the big league, as well as an appearance in the Atlantic League, Mexico, and now Taiwan. I feel like he must have this huge or high degree of mental toughness, and he must be incredibly resilient to stay this long playing baseball. So where do you think he gets that mental toughness and resilience from? I think in part, it's his positivity and and in part his competitiveness as well. And knowing he's just kind of searching for for that home, even with the Rockies, which was so such a fit for him and so good for him. Unfortunately, he had an injury that occurred that fall and prevented him from participating in spring training. But it was no doubt in his mind 
without that injury, he would have been able to stay with them. Going to look for those opportunities seemed to be part of a larger plan for Tim. I think that's how he he views it. It is on the flip side, though, challenging when they are building those friendships. And we talked about that before when he was little. So I know how important these friendships are. And he has had the great friendships and had the times when he wasn't able to. What happens when they're in the minor leagues is the guys are coming in and going out with no warning or notice at all. Mm-hmm. So you decide you meet somebody and we're good buddies and then then they're gone or then you're gone. And having the ability now to stay connected through technology does help with that. But I know that that was very challenging for him. He had confidence that he was going to succeed that he was going to be pitching for a major league team. But it was more of, again, being balanced, you know, not just with your career, but where's your social life? You know, how do you work that into the equation? You have your team, you make friends there. Okay, cool. This is my job. I make friends at work. Where are my other friends? What do I do? Where are my non-baseball friends? How do I, you know, stay in touch with my other friends from years before and with my family? It is really, really tough, really tough. And then add on top of that, Tim wasn't going to be a Freddie Freeman where you pick a team and that's where you, where you stay. He had a different path. And I tell you, that's the part that he just did it. He just got through it and would need the downtime on the off season. He took off one year and had met somebody and decided we're going to backpack through Europe. You know, we're going to go to Iceland and just how letting them decide how they're going to deal with it. Moms, I'm guilty of it. Want to fix it. Want to come to the rescue. (laughs) Absolutely. Letting them figure out this is it, you know, wait for them to ask as an now he's an adult, <laughs> ask for advice. <laughs> there and there you go. Having the the relationships. You know, he just recently got married to the love of his life. That in itself is an amazing story how they met. Before that, he had seen so many relationships of his teammates, the good, the bad, the ugly. And that was like, don't get cynical, don't get jaded. Oh my gosh, praying for that, just to have him get through that, um, being able to have a relationship off season. And then it was hard to maintain that through through the through baseball seasons. Baseball wives, girls, friends are a rare breed that can be successful at that. So I, I believe it. They have to put up with a lot and not not seeing them for long periods of time. And and like you said, that change, like all of a sudden now they're on a different team or whatever, obviously that's going to affect their relationship strongly as well, not just the player themselves. But you you mentioned it, so I feel like I have to ask, you made it sound like there's a story there about how we met his wife. An amazing story. So Tim knew a lot of baseball guys and his travel team that he had here in Richmond was amazing for those kids. I believe ended up in major leagues. Jackie Badley Jr. was on his his travel team here in Richmond and two of the other guys also played for major league teams. They all got college scholarships. Wow. So he knew a lot of guys here in Richmond and he was in California. I think he was playing with the Padres at that point and was going to a concert and said, I don't want to go by myself. Let's see what I can find. So he he swiped right or swiped left. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> on a dating app and and found Allie, Allie Moore. And Allie Moore was from Virginia. He goes, oh, that's interesting. And so they met. Not only was she from Virginia, she went to high school with some of his Richmond Braves players. Hmm. Oh. And so they went out on a few dates. They got to talking. She was a travel nurse. She was on a contract there in California. And then they get to talking more and they find out that her sister lives in the same city in Oregon where his stepbrother lives and that her brother lives in the same city in California where his other stepbrother lives. (laughs) And yeah, so (laughs) we don't know how this worked. Sometimes (laughs) sun, moon, stars aligned. They they started dating and baseball season rolls through and then ends and off season comes and they both went on to other things, kind of lost touch for a while, reconnected. He was here in Norfolk. She was in Hawaii. And he said, I'm talking to Allie again. I go, that's great. And he started talking about her and just something the way he was talking. I said, so when your season ends, you're going to get that ticket and go see her in Hawaii. He goes, do you think I should? Yeah, yeah, I really do think that you should go. 
So they reconnected then, and um, he was in Phoenix off-season at that point. She had an aunt that lived in Phoenix, so she just made that her next travel nurse assignment. Then this past December, got married so that she could travel with him to Taiwan. So was she just there visiting during his no-hitter, or is she there with him now? She is here with him. They were able to get married, get her travel approved, and get everything set up, all of her paperwork. I know that someone on that team, and I would have to thank him if I knew who it was. I know there were people helping behind the scenes to make that happen, because we're talking like December 11th, and they're leaving January 18th. So it was really a quick turnaround to get her there with him. So they were able to quarantine together and then get her over there with him. She's studying right now for her nurse practitioner license. So she's able to do that online and finishing that up in Taiwan. That's great. So living and playing baseball in the CPBL, how is that for him? And how often do you get to see him? So we communicate through WhatsApp, through the application, the app rather, and whenever we get together, you know, just whenever he has time with a 12-hour time difference, so it takes me a while to get adjusted to that. He was there last August, so we went through that um, rest of the season, and we text all the time. I have a family picture frame. I don't know if you guys do that, so we're always uploading our pictures there so everybody in the family can can see them. And now that Allie's there, it's great because I can actually text during the game and and have those exchanges and we just talk back and forth i mean the wonders of technology really have made it have made it great to stay in touch and know what's going on and and tim post on youtube crazy things so we (laughs) i would love to be there and i think in a non-covert time i tell you what I'd be getting right. that ticket to um, to be able to go over there. We have cousins that live in Taiwan. They were a big help to Tim last season, spending time with them. They're his age, so that was that was really cool. So he got to meet some Paredes cousins. And he's, like I said, likes a kid who likes to explore. Um, Allie likes to travel as well. I think she was in Iceland the year after he was. So they're very much in parallel. Having her there with him this year is, is such a blessing. It really is so that they're able to explore, have a honeymoon in Taiwan, and and we stay in touch. I would say that I'd look at it now as his job, which makes a difference. So it's no different. I mean, I know it's different, but to me, it's just like his siblings. They're all adult children. They have their own lives and this is what they're doing. And I just get to to be around and be part of it and, and see it. Right. Enjoy his journey. Yeah. So does Tim have any hopes for continuing his baseball future or is he looking at things after baseball? When he's been asked that before, he's really gotten into the barbecue business to restaurant business. When we he would come to visit in the last five years, we would always be going to the latest barbecue restaurant so he could, he could check it out. He likes that. He enjoyed that experience in Phoenix, being able to work that job in the off season just because he was interested and learning more about it. Mm -hmm. Where that goes, I'm not sure, but I think it's been great that he's taken up an interest in in something. You know, he's very sociable. He's very, he gets along with a lot of folks. So um, I'm not surprised that he would be drawn to that. We all, we all love food. So it makes sense. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And and for listeners who who aren't aware, Val's referring to Tim got a lot of press for working at Little Miss Barbecue in Phoenix because I guess it's, I don't know, maybe it's unusual for, for a baseball player to take a, a job in the off season at a barbecue joint. I, so that, yeah, that's kind of what we, what we were getting at. We were curious if that was just something he did just to pass the time or, if, or, you know, if he was pursuing kind of a bit of an interest there. So sounds like maybe the latter. He's always been interested in, in doing restaurants. I mean, Obviously, over the years, we went out to a lot of restaurants and would try to find someplace interesting to go to. And he was drawn to this particular one. They were number one in the area. They're opening restaurant number two. He shows up at their job fair. And they. I wish I had been there to see the look on their face when he handed right. them his job application experience. Oh, Major League Baseball pitcher. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> And it's true. They honestly did not believe that he really was until that Rockies game when he's pitching in Phoenix and he let them all know that he was going to be in town and he's pitching. Oh, right, Tim. Okay. (laughs) And then they, they show up and, um, I, I can still hear them 
I listen to that game, I can hear them (laughs) yelling his former workers at the barbecue restaurant. I got to eat there when I went out to visit him last year. And they are. It's an amazing, amazing food. A little hole in the wall, but just amazing food. The next day I'm in Phoenix. Stephanie, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) right. We need to make plans. Yeah, you can never turn that down. Um, Before we wrap it up here, I'm going to ask just one final question, which is, since you, I feel like you've just run the gamut of experiences as a as a baseball mom would you have any words of advice for a young parent just starting this journey who's who's like your kid who just loves baseball he's going to sleep with his baseball uniform on and wanting to play ball with two glo- a glove on each hand when he's two years old like do you have any words of advice for someone just starting out <laughs> Um, I think it's more to keep your kid. We've talked about keeping them grounded, keeping them well balanced. Uh, you can get other children, I think, that share, show that passion and show something, an interest or an ability at an early age. And of course, you want to nurture that, whatever it is. But you also just need to look at them as if something happened tomorrow and they couldn't continue in this passion, what what would they do? How would that Obviously, it'd be upsetting, but how do you make sure that you're kind of preparing them for the best case and the worst case scenario? Um, The other advice that I would get them would be to get educated on whatever it is so that you can be part of their journey. I I know there's several cases of parents I met who their kid was just this anomaly to just turned out somehow and they weren't literate at all in what was, you know, what was going on, you know, that's fine. But I think to be able to support your kid, it is nice to, to get educated and know what's going on. Um, get the coaches, do your research. Where is your, your kid going to fit in? Not just as far as his ability goes, but as far as his, his personality goes, just make sure that you're looking to your kid for cues, kind of like kindergarten readiness. And something that came up with Tim was Tim's going to be drafted out of high school. Is this really a good idea? Lots of discussion about that and just really being thoughtful about what is best for your your kid. Try not to get caught up in all the all the hype that's going on. You can be excited. We certainly made sure when Tim was in high school that he got a part-time job. He was salad boy at Applebee's. <laughs> Wanted him mm-hmm. to see, you know, this is where this is the real world. Um, this is what, what people do for to earn a living, to make sure that he knew that he had choices choices to make, to do well in school, to continue with his passion. This was not for him to be able to you know, have those honest discussions. Communications with your kid is always important, but I think it is more just to, to be there as the cheerleader, as the moderator, <laughs> but as a parent, you're still, you know, you're still the parent of this person. So it's been wonderful. I would not have changed anything what we've gone through. And it's just been a privilege and an honor to be part of it. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks so much for talking to us today, Val. You're most welcome. It was it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share this. And I welcome any questions that anyone might have, anything that I can um, share from what we've been through. I'd be happy to do that. Oh, that's great. If somebody had a question for you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch? Probably reach out to me through my Facebook. Okay. I'm on there as Valerie McGill Paredes. There you go. All right. Well, thanks again. And we wish you a wonderful day. Yes. Thanks, Val. Thanks. You too. Y'all take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold on just one second. Okay. Because like I've gotten three phone calls in a row. Hello. Hello. Hey, just so you know, you're randomly being recorded right now and I'm on with my co-host because you and mom keep calling. I need to make sure it's not important. No, it's not important. (laughs) Okay. This is my little brother, Stephanie. Oh, hi. <laughs> yes, I'm being recorded. This is. I'm yes, you are. <laughs> I mean, it'll be deleted. <laughs> no, okay. we're keeping okay. it. You know what's funny? I actually called you about your podcast. So perfect. I want to. I want to market it for you. Um, oh, okay. My sister has a podcast. I wonder if she wants listeners. Um. Well, I mean, we're used to not having many listeners, so it's a lot easier that way. <laughs> You're not going to blow us up because we do not want that extra work, but... (laughs) 